Thank you for checking out our sermon here at New Grace. We are excited that you came across this message and are tuning in. It is our prayer that it is a blessing to you. We just want to make you aware of a couple things before we get to the message. First, we would love to connect with you. You can find us on Facebook at New Grace BC. Also, be sure to check out our website, reachingroanoke.com. There, you can find out more about who we are and where we are going as a church. Again, thank you for checking out our sermon here at New Grace. Please let us know of any questions you may have or any way that we can help you and your family. Enjoy the message. So we, we began a series several weeks ago now and called uh, Established. And we've been talking about and looking about how we as God's children, how we as believers in Christ, can be rooted and established in the love of God. And we started by saying if we're going to be rooted in the love of God, if we're going to be rooted in a relationship with God, then it starts by knowing God. And knowing God is more than just a head knowledge where we know things about God. We know some of the Bible scriptures or some of the Bible stories or things like that. But this is an intimate, personal relationship with our Heavenly Father. When, when Jesus talks about eternal life, he says, I came to give them eternal life. And this is, etern- this is life eternal that they may know the Father. See, Jesus said eternal life is not about a destination that we're going to go to one day when we die. Eternal life is about a relationship we can have while we are here on earth. And that word know, is this, it's the, in the Greek, it was the word gnosko. It spoke about the intimate knowledge of a husband and a wife. It's, a, it's more than just a, an acquaintance. It's more than just, a, I know a little bit about that guy, or I've, I've seen him once in a while. It's an intimate, personal knowledge, and intimate personal relationship. And if we're going to be rooted in God's love, we have to start by knowing Him. Then we said to be established in the love of God, we need to learn to hear from God. God still speaks to His children. Now, as we read the Scripture, of course, we we see different ways that God used to speak to His children. He would speak to people through a burning bush. He would speak to people through a, a hand writing on the wall where a hand would just float and start writing on the wall. And again, uh, if, if that happened today, most of us would probably freak out if we're sitting in our living room watching TV and all of a sudden a hand starts writing on the wall. We're not going to think, oh, look, God's talking. We're going to think, oh, look, time to move. Uh, but so God would speak through talking, a hand on the wall. He, would, he spoke through donkeys. He spoke through prophets. He, he, he would come sometimes and talk face-to-face with Abraham. And he, he spoke to Moses out of, the, out of Mount Sinai face-to-face. And so he, just, he, he spoke audibly to people in the Old Testament. I, mean, I, I wish he would do that now. It would make life so much easier if when you were about to do something stupid, God said, No. All right. Thanks, God. Won't do that anymore. But so we tend to think, well, God doesn't speak anymore, but God does still speak to his children. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and follow me. God speaks to us through his word. God speaks to us through circumstances. God speaks to us through preaching and teaching. God is always speaking to his children. The problem isn't God's not saying enough. The problem is we don't recognize the voice of God. So we have to learn how to recognize the voice of God. This morning, we're going to look at the next step of learning to become rooted in God, and that's learning to talk to God. 
Now, of course, I'm, I'm talking about prayer. Prayer is communication with God. Prayer is speaking with our Heavenly Father. And the, the Christian life is about a life that is knowing and walking with God. And so when we read our Bible, God is speaking to us, and that is God with us. But when we pray, we are talking to God, and it's us being with God. And a lot of Christians are intimidated by prayer. A lot of Christians are, are, are scared of prayer. They don't know, we don't know how to do it. We don't know what to say. We have a misunderstanding of what prayer is, about what God expects, about how prayer really does work. In the book of Matthew, Jesus teaches his disciples to pray. He tells them how to have communication with God the Father. So let's start reading Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse number 9. The Bible says, After this manner, therefore pray ye, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Of course, this is a very familiar portion of Scripture to anyone who's been in church for a length of time, but really anyone who's ever been around Christianity or even thought about Christianity, it's what's known as the Lord's Prayer or the Model Prayer. Matter of fact, it's repeated in Luke chapter 11, verse 2. It says, And he said unto them, When ye pray, say, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so on earth, give us day by day, Daily bread. Now, because these verses are so familiar to us, we sometimes miss the truth that Jesus is really trying to get across. Jesus wasn't just giving us something to recite before we go to bed at night. He wasn't just giving us something to recite when we had a bad day. He was giving us a way to pray. He was giving us a model about how to have communication with God. And there are three things that Jesus teaches in this model prayer that help us as we begin to learn about how to talk to God. Here's the first one. Number one, focus on being with the Father. Focus on being with the Father. When Jesus talks about prayer, he's, he's not talking about a religious transaction. But that's exactly how many, many believers view it. We have a need. We go to God. We, we go through the ritual, whatever it is. If, we're, if you're Catholic, you go to the, to, the, to the church or the cathedral and you light the candle and you, you, you do the, I don't know if I got it right, uh, up, down, west, I don't know. Uh, but you do the cross thing. You say the Hail Marys. You have the rosary beads. You go through the ritual of prayer. If you're Muslim, you, you have your, your prayer rug, you wash your hands and your feet in a religious way to make sure they're clean, and then you, you bow down and you recite your prayers pointed towards Mecca. You, you have a ritual you go through. And even us good Christians, even us good Baptists, we have rituals 
we go through. Maybe we have a specific posture that we think we have to be in. You've got to be on your knees with your hands folded. You've got to be laying uh, flat on your belly in front of the... Uh, there, you've got to come to the church altar. We have these ideas of things we think we have to do to go through the ritual of prayer. But once we do it... We've done what we're supposed to do. We've gone through the ritual. We've prayed. And now God, because of what we've done, has to answer our prayer. It's a religious transaction. God does for us because of the things that we did for him. But that's not what prayer is. That's not what Jesus teaches us that prayer is. Prayer is not a religious transaction. Prayer is a relationship. Prayer is you talking to your Father. It's being involved in a loving, caring relationship. It is spending time and talking to our Heavenly Father who loves us and wants to be with us. Jesus begins by saying, when you pray, say, Our Father, which art in heaven. When we pray, when we are talking to God... Too many of us focus on our need. Someone's sick that needs to be healed. Someone has has lost their job, they need to get their job back. Someone is lost and needs to be saved. We have this big issue and we're focused on the need that we have. And Jesus says, when you pray, don't focus on your need. Focus on being with God the Father. Being with the one who loves you. And wants to be with you. Knowing God as Father is something that today we're used to. We understand it. We've heard it enough. We've heard the preaching. We've heard the teaching where God's your Father. God, we we, we understand that. In Jesus' day, that was unheard of. It was shocking. When Jesus called God Father, many of the religious elite were offended that he would do that. They were offended he would use such an intimate name to talk about God. That's one of the reasons that they plotted to have him crucified. They thought he was being blasphemous because up until now, people didn't even say the name of God because it was too holy. In the Old Testament, there were a lot of names given for God. There was, of course, Elohim, which means God. There was El Elyon, which means the Most High God. Adonai, which means Master. There was El Shaddai, which means Lord God Almighty. El Olam, which means Everlasting God. And many, many more that we could go through, telling the names that they would give for God. But these were, were not God's name. They were titles given to God to describe Him. His name in the Old Testament is the Hebrew word Yahweh. It's what we know as Jehovah. When scribes were copying down the Old Testament and they came to the word Yahweh, they wouldn't write it because it was too holy to write. So they had a symbol that they had designed to represent that word, the name Yahweh. Because his name was too holy to write. His name was too holy to say. And here comes Jesus... This carpenter's son, this rabbi, and now he's not just saying the name Yahweh. He's saying, hey, Yahweh is my father. 
Yahweh is an intimate personal relationship with me. And he does, he goes even further that. He goes, if you believe in me, then you can call him father too. Everyone was shocked. But for us, as a follower of Jesus, that is what Jesus is telling us. He is saying that prayer is not a religious contract negotiation with God. It is a loving relationship between you and your heavenly father. Now, most believers, they don't think of their relationship with God correctly. We don't think of it in the way that Jesus taught us it was. Too many believers believe that their relationship with God is all about performance and and punishment. And if we perform well, then God blesses us. But if we perform poorly or mess up, then God will punish us. So God is either going to punish us or reward us based on our performance. We have a good week, we're faithful to church, we tithed, we did what we were supposed to do, we were, we were good to our, to our spouse, and we loved our kids, and we even didn't make a joke about our mother-in-law from the pulpit. So we had a good week. I got one coming. We had a good week. And so since we did good, God's going to bless us. Or, man, I had a bad week, I lost my temper, I cussed out my mother-in-law. She had it coming, though. I saw some things I shouldn't have seen. I had a bad week, and so now God's going to punish me. We have this performance-based relationship thought that God has. But Jesus didn't say when we pray, pray our master, which is in heaven. He didn't say when you pray, pray our owner, which is in heaven. He said when you pray, (coughs) say our father. Now, God is our master. God is our owner. But he doesn't want that type of relationship with us. He wants a relationship of fathers and sons. He wants a loving, intimate, personal relationship with his beloved children. And when it comes to the relationship between fathers and sons, it's not performance-based. There is training. There is correction. There is discipline, but it's not about punishment and rewards. It's about wanting to have a loving relationship with our sons so that our sons and our daughters, so that they trust us. We love them and we want to train them to be prepared for the life ahead. And that is how your heavenly father loves you. He wants you to trust him. He wants to prepare you. He wants to provide for you. Now, for some of us, and I'm in this group, when we talk about God as our Father, it's a little difficult because our earthly fathers weren't that great. Worst case scenario, they were a performance-based relationship where if you didn't do good enough, they punished you harshly or rewarded you for, for doing something wonderful. And maybe they were cold and distant. Maybe they abandoned you. Worst case scenario, you were abused by your earthly father. And so... It's difficult for you to really wrap your brain around a loving father figure that wants to take care of you. But that's because any male can be a father. But God isn't just a father to us. The Bible says he is our Abba Father. In Romans chapter 8.15, Paul says, For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption Whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Abba 
was an intimate word for father. It's equivalent to daddy. Anybody can be a father, but it takes a loving, caring man to be a daddy. And God's not just your father. He's your daddy. He loves you. He wants to take care of you. So everything your earthly father wasn't, God is. Your earthly father wasn't loving, God is. Your earthly father wasn't caring, God is. Your earthly father didn't take care of you and provide for you and encourage you and strengthen you and teach you. That is what God does for you. God is your Abba Father. He's your daddy and he loves you far beyond anything you could ever ask or anything you could ever imagine. He cares for you and he wants to wants a loving, intimate exchange with you. That is why Jesus died on the cross and was buried and rose again. Not just to, to keep us out of hell, but to give us an intimate personal, loving relationship with God the Father to give us eternal life, which we have seen as knowing God and knowing God involves talking to Him as our loving, caring Father. It's not about punishment and reward for those who are followers of Jesus because Jesus took all the punishment on the cross. Jesus absorbed all the punishment that you deserved on the cross. He took all of our sin and he paid the debt for us. Then three days later, he rose again, conquering death, hell, and the grave for us for eternity. And when you accept Christ as your Savior, he took all the punishment that you deserved and he imparted the reward, his reward to you. And the reward is you are an adopted child of God. You become his child and he becomes your Abba Father. Prayer is not a religious exchange. It is a loving conversation with your heavenly father, your daddy, who loves you and cares for you and wants the best for you. So when you pray, focus on the father. Second thing Jesus teaches us, not only focus on the father, number two, be yourself. Be yourself. Look again at what Jesus said. He says, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, and others in heaven give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts. That word debts there is, is sin. It's not, Jesus isn't saying pray for God to pay your mortgage off. It's sin, it's transgressions. He's saying forgive us our debts. You know what Jesus is saying there? When you talk to your heavenly Father, be honest with Him. Be honest with Him. When you pray to your Father, be honest. God cannot have a relationship with a person you are pretending to be. God doesn't want a relationship with that person. God wants a relationship with you because that person isn't real. That person doesn't exist. God doesn't want a relationship with your Instagram persona. That's fake. God wants a relationship with the real you. So God wants us to be honest with him. He wants us to be ourselves. And here's the thing you got to understand. I know we know it theologically, but I don't think we think it really. God knows everything about you anyway. You think, oh, well, no one knows me better than my wife does. Yeah, God does. Because your wife doesn't know all your inner thoughts and aren't you glad sometimes. But God does. Here's the thing. If your wife knew everything you thought sometimes, she may get mad at you. She may not like you. She may leave you. 
God never will. God knows how terrible you are. You know how I know you're terrible? Because I'm terrible. God knows how, how awful I can be and how terrible I am and how much I struggle and how much I fight sometimes and how much I, I just sometimes want to give up. God knows the worst about me. And he loves me anyway. I can't explain that. I'm glad I can't and I don't want to. But God knows everything about you anyway. You cannot trick God. You can't lie to God. When you go to God and confess your sins, you, don't have, you can't have that sin in the back of your head thinking, I don't want to confess that one. He already knows about it anyway. You can't lie to him. You can't trick him. God knows all about you. When we try to lie to God, the only person we're lying to is ourselves. We're telling ourselves we're better than we really are. And we know we're not. God knows all about you. He knows your sin. He knows what you have done. He knows what you are doing. And he knows what you're going to do tomorrow. Thousands of years before you ever existed, God made a way for you to be his child through Jesus, knowing who you would be. Romans 5a, but God commendeth or showed his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God knows every sin you would ever commit, and he still made a way for you to be his child. 1 Peter 5.5 says, be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. To be dishonest with God is to be proud. It is trying to present ourselves as something that we are not. And God opposes the proud. First Peter 5, 6 says, Humble yourselves, therefore, before, therefore under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. The biblical definition of humility is honesty. It is openness. It is not trying to be something or present yourself as something that you're not. It is being real and being yourself. And the only way to experience the real love of God is to be courageous enough to be the real you. Be honest when you talk to God. You can't fake it with him. He knows the real you. He doesn't love who you are pretending to be. He loves you. So tell him your thoughts. Tell him your feelings. Tell him your joys. Tell him your frustrations. He knows them and he can handle them. Be yourself with God. Focus on the Father. It is a relational exchange. Number three, second thing, third thing Jesus teaches us is invite him in to everything. Invite him into everything. You know, we like to compartmentalize our lives. We want some sections where God is welcome. God's welcome in my church life. If I'm a good Christian, God's welcome in my marriage. God's welcome in my child rearing. But God better stay out of my entertainment. God better stay out of my time on the computer. God better stay out of my time, my drive to work, because in my drive to work, I don't really think about God a whole lot. I'm too busy fussing at everybody on the road. So we think, God, you, you're welcome here, but stay out of here. The problem with that is God is already involved in every area of our life, and he wants to be invited into them. He loves you, and he wants to bless you because he loves you. So invite him into everything, if, especially 
if it's something that you want to keep him out of. Invite him in so he can redeem, the, redeem it, restore you, and help you repent. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 says this. It says, Rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. The idea in this passage is that we should always be praying. When you wake up in the morning to the time you go to sleep at night, you should be praying throughout the day. There are times where we need to pull away and concentrate on prayer. There are times we need to shut the bedroom door and make sure the kids have a nap or make sure the kids are watching TV or whatever they're doing to keep quiet for five minutes. But we need to shut the door, get into our closet, get into our bed. Whatever. There are times we need to pull away, shut off the phone, shut off the TV, get away to the iPad and just get on our knees and talk to God. There are times we need to do that. But the lesson here is that as you go through your day, talk to your Heavenly Father. Invite Him into every area of your life. Now, me and April, we, we, we talk all the time. Throughout the day, we talk in the morning. We talk at noontime. We talk at 1230, 1235, 1237. We talk, at, we talk all the time. Now, if, there is, if I only talk to her once a day, if I only talked to her when I had a big need, we wouldn't have a marriage that lasted 21 years. And neither would you. You don't just talk to your spouse once a day or talk to your spouse when you need something. You talk to them throughout the day. Now, that makes it a lot easier. We're sending texts to each other. We're talking on the phone. We're constantly in communication. That's what your relationship with God is supposed to be like. When you're going to work, talk to God about it. Maybe you're having a tough time at work and you've got a coworker who's just being a jerk. Maybe you're the jerk, but you're just you're having a tough time at work to say, God, I, I need your help here. I, I don't know what to do. Help me to have a good day. Help me to know what to say. Help me to know what to do. Just just talk to your father. Lord, I got a problem. I need your just Lord, give me wisdom to help get through this. Talk to God throughout your day. You are involving God in everything. You are giving him your attention. You have him at work. You can have him at school. You can have him everywhere. Pray with your kids before you drop them off at school. Uh, pray with your spouse before you go to work. Pray as you go through your day. Make it a regular part of your life. Involve God in every aspect of your life. R prayer is not some religious act you can only perform at certain times or in certain places or in certain positions. Prayer is a conversation with your loving Heavenly Father. Just talk to Him as you would your daddy. Now, there's no area of your life that God doesn't want to be involved in. There is no area of your life that God doesn't want to be invited into. There is nothing you can say to God that will shock him or make you stop make him stop loving you or make him stop caring for you. First Peter five seven says this says casting all your care upon doesn't say casting some of your care. Doesn't say casting the big cares. Casting the cares that have to do with your spouse. No, he says, casting all your cares upon him. Why? Because he careth for you. God cares for you. He wants to know what your worries are. He wants you to talk to him about your burdens. 
He wants to talk you to talk to him about your struggles, about your problems. Psalm 142.2 says, I poured out my complaint before him. I showed before him my trouble. Now, when you look in the Hebrew, that phrase poured out, it literally means to vomit. David said, I vomited my complaints on to God. You ever have, you, every one of us, we need to have someone in our life that we can go to and just vent. April's my vent. I can go to her about anything or anyone. Not that I've ever gone to her about some of y'all. Looking at you, Alyssa. Uh, but I can go to her if I'm frustrated, if I'm, if, I'm, if I'm hurt, if I'm mad. And I can just vent to her. I can just pour my complaint out there. Doesn't make sense. Sometimes it's all wrong. Sometimes it's, it's just stupid talk. I'm just, I'm just, this, 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 I'm so mad. I'm just frustrated. I can just, God wants us to do that to him. You know, you can go to God and do that. Say, God, my boss is just such a jerk. And you can just, he wants you. Is he going to correct you? Probably. But he'll listen. Yeah, you do that all the time, don't you, John? (laughs) God doesn't want to hear about just the sicknesses we need. God wants us, God wants to hear our complaints. He wants to know what bothers you. Say, what's he going to do about it? He's going to listen. He's going to listen. And he's going to start talking to your heart, saying, John, I'm sorry, your boss is a jerk. But here's what you should do. You should love him and give him 20 bucks every week. (laughs) So speak of the Lord. So, but he's going to talk to you. He's going to listen to you. He's going to comfort you. God wants you to involve him in every area of your life. You know, talking with God is a major part of becoming established in the love of God, of rooting yourself in a relationship with God. God isn't some distant, vengeful, uncaring God. He is your gracious, loving, precious, heavenly Father. He wants to talk to you. He wants to be involved in every area of your life. He wants you to be honest with him. Let us be his children who openly and honestly talk to our daddy.